understanding my own being gave me the courage to speak again, gave me the voice and like accepting the fact rather than fighting it, 90% of the people just can't accept it, that they feel this way. They feel like it's wrong to feel this way. And what meditation did for me is just like, how can it be wrong if it feels right? How do you find the courage to try? Can you distill the clarity to start? What drives real commitment to keep going? Let's deconstruct complexity and make it simple. Let's learn how to take action and make progress. I'm Pete Seligman, and this is The Next Step. So thanks very much for, um, for your time today, and thanks for agreeing to come on and have a chat to us um, on The Next Step podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Peter. And what I thought would be great would be, I think you've got a really interesting kind of backstory, particularly given that, strangely, even without me realising it, our, our career paths kind of were quite similar at one point when we were both in the investment banking space. But maybe if you could give us a quick background on you and where you come from and how you've now transitioned into what you do today. Yes, so uh, I think you're spot on when you say that. Interestingly, that uh, we are we have a similar background. I think interestingly, everything that has happened to me always synchronized. So it is that I think it's a part of the plan. And uh, a little bit about my background is I've worked seven years since the age of, uh, I guess if you want to start from the beginning, I'm 21. Since since then, I've been working with a variety of jobs. But then I got uh, stagnant with for seven years in a row from 24 up until 23 to up until 30. Uh, 31, and I was doing um, corporate finance. So I wasn't in investment banking, but I was in corporate finance. And I worked with large firms and a variety of large firms, including law firms, including engineering firms in Melbourne and WA. I was in WA for eight years. I lived in WA for eight years. And I worked with corporate finance for five years in WA and two years in Melbourne. So that makes it seven years in total. And um, even though it just wasn't, never, ever felt like, I'm going to do that forever. It's never felt so that way. So how did you start there then? I mean, I was having a, an interesting conversation with someone else this morning about how people choose their career path and particularly how they choose their career path right at the beginning. And sometimes those decisions are influenced by all sorts of factors. Yeah. So, so if you put yourself right back to that kind of early 20s stage, how did you make the decision to go down the corporate finance Absolutely. Um, so I think you're spot on when you're saying that it influenced. The word influence is really powerful. You get, you make a choice. I always say that we always, always, always make a choice. And it's, even though it is a matter of powerful choices, but it's also influence. And uh, so since I'm born and brought up in India and I'm in a very Indian family where every single person is, uh, is a businessman in my family and uh, they all studied law for some reason and no one pursued law and it all was very strange for me like uh, I was like why did you do law if that was the case and um, and you know they they see money or they see wealth or a career in a certain way it has to be a very set way uh, that you become an investment banker or you become a corporate person or you have your own business and uh, I think I was extremely influenced to do finance finance like I remember that day 
loud and clear in my mind. I'm never going to forget it. I was 18. Uh, I think I was 19. And we were all sitting in my uncle's home. And then every, you know, your business is everybody else's business in India. And uh, everyone was trying to take a decision of my career <laughs> that day. It was a D day for me. Like I was center of attraction. I was sitting on a couch and like everyone was in round circle. And I was like, hmm, so what are we going to choose for her? And I was like, <laughs> I was so scared. I can think about it right now. I was so scared. I was like, what is my fate? So they were all like, okay, we have this brochure and this university is offering this and that university is offering you go to pick one. And I was like, oh, but they don't have what I want. And none of them, the brochure is what I want. And they were like, yeah, but you pick one of this. And then I just saw this big thing that it said, uh, one of the brochure had a agriculture farming and it had biogas and it had stuff in it and I was like that and they were like that is an advertisement it is not a part of your career <laughs> and uh, they were, and I was like yes but I want that and I was like this is not a brochure listen to what we are saying <laughs> and and they somehow put me into this finance role and they got me into university to get a finance degree but I was a very rebellion. They, they sent me to Australia. I was 21. I was on my own. I was really afraid again. And I was like, okay, fine. You know what? I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do finance. So the first thing I do is my drop out of my university. They were really shocked. And it was, a, again, big roundtable discussion. And there was like, what is she doing? So, and, and I went to advertising and I had no idea why. So, and after I finished my advertising, I, I think it was your subconscious. You're so hardwired that no matter how strong decisions you take, that you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're afraid because your subconscious is hardwired. Yes. And my first job I attracted was finance because subconsciously I never thought, or I was still afraid, I was still guilty of taking a decision that have I took the right decision? Do I even belong to advertising field? Was I always belonging to finance? And because I questioned myself, I, I landed in, in finance and I took that job. To, to pay, make them proud or make, you know, just accept my fate, that it was the right thing. They were right. And I took it and I stayed there for seven years. Yeah, there, you go. there you go. It's interesting, isn't it, how, how um, big an influence other people's opinions can have on your own decision-making, whether or not you know it. Yeah. Like, as you're saying, it can be completely subconscious. You actually think you're making your own decision, but we're really making someone else's decision because it's Absolutely. baked into the way in which you're it's your pattern. Even though you're making your own decisions, your decision is based on the pattern that has been created by them. <laughs> so so you, you get to the end of that phase and, and talk us through this transition that you made where you had this realisation that really that wasn't for you. And, and, and it's really then it was at that point that was the start of the journey you're currently on. Yeah. To say that, I think that I will... Um, I will transition you back to a little further. Uh, I realized it last year in, in September. I think I have realized it day one from when I was like literally had a bit of um, conscious since I became a conscious child, but uh, accepted it last year. Until then I was fighting it back. So I will take you a little bit back. I think that uh, how powerful your subconscious is. And I was having this beautiful conversation with a, with a person that I met this morning and he was, he was writing about it. So what happened was, uh, taking back to my childhood, I was brought up in an Indian family. I've never seen, I've never seen my father. Uh, I've only seen his photo, but I don't know who is he is. And uh, that's 
a very harsh reality in an Indian culture and a tradition. I remember that day very, very strongly and powerfully. And I'm still trying to figure out that what makes your memory of certain episodes so powerful. That when I was eight or nine, my mom came to me and told me that um, she took a decision and she told me that she's going to marry this another person and then we're going to have um, a family and now she's going to fill up the gap of the father in my life. But I think what made me remember that so strongly is Maybe she was the one who wanted the gap to be filled up. But I, I, I felt like I wasn't given a choice. I, I feel like she has all the rights to live. But I wasn't given a choice. I had come a long way. I was seven or eight, or eight, and I think that I've crossed my first seven years of my life where my subconscious was created. And there was no void to be filled. I had no void of father. I did not need one. If the something doesn't exist, and if you're trying to put something on the top of it, it is not filling a void. It is giving a pressure to that thing. And that pressure was not required. So I felt that clear memory of that day. And then the, what came after it was quite terrifying. That Then I grew up uh, and then my childhood transitioned into an extremely domestic violent place. Uh, but my stepfather was obviously was not ready for it either. And um, it, it became a very violent home and I wasn't used to it. My first seven years were beautiful. Like I had a perfect childhood and that was my reality. So uh, I had friends and then I became really this timid. I lost all my ability to make friends. I lost every every ability to talk to people. And yet I was very spiritual. I was very intuitive. Uh, I knew where I was going. I was always clear what I wanted. I just knew everything in my mind and yet I wasn't able to express it because I was terrified of everything. And I was extremely bullied for that kind of reason. And I tried to come attempt suicide at 16 because I was, it was all way too much and I was very young. So, and then obviously it didn't happen. And I was, uh, my mom kind of, uh, understood she was very a smart woman even though that decision was not the best but she was a very smart woman she always protected me so she'd realized that something's not right with me so she that's i think that's why i decided to come to australia just to get out of everything and give myself a new head start and yet i was always feeling that if something is not right i'm not listening my intuition my voice is right there it's right here and I'm not listening to it. And the first thing I thought of creating, uh, first thing I thought was to create, is to create that reality, is to create that family that I never had, is to create that friendships that I never had, is to create everything that I've missed out on. As if it was a challenge on my face, like, the, like somebody was laughing at my face and I was like, you know what, I'll show you. And, uh, and I created it. Like uh, right now, if I look back, I have... I'm very rich with relations, with friendships, with, I always feel like I'm blessed with the kind of people that I'm surrounded with. Like I can close my eyes and I can fall back and I know that there will be a hundred hands that will catch me. And there are not many people who can say it with confidence, but I am so blessed to say that, that I created that because that was the void mm -hmm. and there was nobody else that could have filled it but me. I think that was my turning point when I, when I looked back and when I was 30, I was getting married to my husband and fast forward and he took me away from Perth. I was, I was living in eight years in Perth. I landed in Perth from India. And uh, he said like, let's go to Melbourne, start a new life. It was exciting. But at the end of the day, 
no matter how beautiful that person is. And he's exactly what I manifested. Again, I always knew what I wanted in a husband and he's exactly that. He's amazing. So he took me to Melbourne and I, I was very afraid again. I was like, how dare you take me away from everything that I created from scratch? Everything. My family, my friends, my mother is in Perth. And now I have this perfect thing that it took me years to create. And now you want me to start again. So that those two years, is facing my monster again when I look back, when I'm 31 to 32, those two years with my newly married life, creating everything from scratch. It was putting all my fears that I was afraid of, of that monster right in front of me, laughing at me again, like, Pradi, you challenged me and I've put you in the same position. There you are, you're lonely again. You have no one to talk to. I had literally nobody to talk to for two years. And I was, again, scared. I was like, is this true? Like, I lost. Did I lose? Have I lost? And um, I couldn't take that. So I had this very strong thought of suicide again last year. And that's exactly the moment when every synchronicity happened. It took me back when I was 16. And then I looked in forward of it. And I thought, like, look what you did after you had that destruction thought. Look what happens after destruction. Yeah, life begins after destruction. So if you had another destructive thought, that means life's about to begin. And I, then I came across this person called Vishen Lakiani from Mind Valley. Have you heard of him? No. Google Mind Valley. They're they're amazing. It was a life savior. I don't know. Vishen might be vibrating on the same frequency I was. I just saw the word meditation. I was. I had never meditated before. So I turned on that app, I turned it on and I meditated. I did it again and I did it again and tears started falling. I thought like it's the first time I stopped and understood the voices inside of me. They were always there. Yeah. And I started writing and I started writing and writing. And then the image came to my mind and I started getting connected to land and that a whole different story how but it felt really powerful it felt like my connection to this world is strong and I'm here for a purpose and I had no idea what purpose was that but I'm going to keep moving forward and so that's how when you suddenly realize that this is actually something that I can help a bunch of other people do as well right and 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 was it about that same time when you thought I'm doing the wrong thing I need to actually start doing something different Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've always been extremely spontaneous and I act really fast. So that's been my strength. So the moment I realize that this is not for me, like I don't wait for confirmations. I typed my resignation letter next minute, next day I resigned. And so I move fast that way. I think that's, that's one of the gifts that I don't procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it was a realization. And when I thought, that if I can do this with three, four months of meditation, me and my husband had fallen apart. I had taken, metaphorically, my subconscious had taken him as the monster who took me away from my happiness, and I had fallen out of love with him. So I took the courage, set him down in front of me, and I told him, like, sweetheart, I don't love you. And that was a changing point, that, that brave uh, move, and he knew it. But he was too scared to accept it. He knew what he had done. He knew that he had higher expectation that I come home, I cook, I do this. I had, 
he never initiated that, you know, she's not used to this life. She's used to packing her bag. And she felt like one day, it's true story. One day I felt like having a coffee in Paris. So I packed my bag and went to Paris. So, and he, he knew that she is that random, crazy, abstract person. And now what am I asking her to do is going to change her. So, and he, I told him like, you know, accept it to do what it takes but take it from me. I don't love you. Do you want to work it out? I want to. Yeah. And uh, I think meditation, awakening or meditating or synchronicities or understanding my own being gave me the courage to speak again, yeah. gave me the voice and like accepting the fact rather than fighting it. 90% of the people just can't accept it. that They feel this way. They feel like it's wrong to feel this way. And, what meditation did for me is just like, how can it be wrong if it feels right? Mm. Mm. And so tell me a bit about what the business that you're building now and the focus of that and, and, and the people that you're um, mainly trying to work with in that area. Yeah. So One Earth, uh, One Earth project came into existence out of that whole, whole, whole thing um, because I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm becoming conscious, like I'm, I'm getting rid of all, all the issues in my life. Me and my husband have never been strong again. We, we worked it out with conscious, consciousness, with conscious effort. And I started becoming so conscious that I became really conscious about my body. In the last six months, I've got rid of my seven years of IBS that no doctor could cure. Um, and at this stage, my doctor is wanting to work with me, what I do. And uh, with that journey, got me really, really conscious about my other strengths as well was that as I said the strength to connect with the land and I did not know about that at that time but one thing one thing gave me to my one earth journey and one earth was born that day is uh, I had never stepped into my home of domestic violence from 11 years I I was afraid and I thought like I need to get away from that place and it was really scary so when my mom I saw her struggling I saw her she wanted to sell it really badly she she wanted to get away from that. And she wasn't able to sell it. It was seven years on the market. No one would even come and look at it. So I was in India this year in March, in, in February. And I told her, like, something happened to me after I went into a strong meditation session with myself. And I was talking to myself in my head. And I jumped out of it. And I was like, give me the keys to the home. And she's like, why? And it's like, who owns that house? And she's like, me. And I was like, think again, who owns it? Uh, on paper. She's like, yours and I was like you can't sell it it's mine and I took the keys from her and I went inside the home and I was like this home isn't have been an extremely unhappy house so I I sat in between the house I was very scared very scared I sat in between the house and I told the house like I acknowledge you you have been here but your job is over now your time is to go and provide to somebody else a shelter but happiness that you never gave me I wanted to free you from the agony that you are into and become a place, thrive, thrive somebody else. Don't do what you did to me. And I got out of that home. I had no idea why I did it. Seven years later, next morning, 24 hours, within 24 hours, a guy came with cash and the house was sold. Yeah, wow. Yeah, amazing. So, Inexplicable, right? And, and And if you put yourself in the mind's eye of the stereotypical corporate finance um, practitioner. Yeah. Uh, 
with an extremely objective mindset, <laughs> and extremely kind of practical scientific view of things, there would yeah. be complete cynicism, right? Around absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I could have just produced a better advertisement, like, you know, something yeah, like that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, but clearly, clearly there's been something that's um, changed your mindset, that's, that's um, opened your mind to the fact that there are different uh, forces at play. Absolutely, absolutely. A force that always was with me, a force that I knew but I never acknowledged. I have never called it God, being born in a Hindu family, but... Um, neither have I, I, I call it the universe because I can't find the right word, but I don't know what it is. I just acknowledge it. And uh, that day, everything changed. And I came home and I thought and I thought and I thought and I went back to the home that I was born and my uncle still owns that house. And I went, I was sitting in the room when I was, where I was, when they first took me when I was born and I was sat in that room and I thought like, what is it? What is it that I'm meant for? I'm here in India right now for a reason. Like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have been. Something shifted when I came back from Australia to India. The way I look at India changed. Everything around me has changed. I am changed. What am I meant to do? And um, that, that question, like, you know how you go to a business meeting and you say that you ask questions, the person who asks the questions wins? Mm-hmm. It's the same with the universe. Um, so I asked questions and I, it brought me back to that room that I told you in the beginning of the conversation where they were asking me to pick a career. And I looked at the brochure and I looked at that biogas facility and I said that, that ex- vivid, vivid. And, and I was like, that, I, I could not remember the biogas facility at that time, but I knew that something to do with agriculture. So mm-hmm. I called up my friend uh, who is as spiritual as me and I call him my spiritual partner, but he's my best friend. He's my marketing person right now. And uh, I called him up, his name is Luca. And then I said, uh, Luca, the name is One Earth. Uh, I don't know why. Don't ask, but don't ask what we do. But we do something. We, I don't know if we do awareness or I don't know if we have a facility that recycles plastic, but we do something and it's called One Earth and it yeah. has a blue logo and it's <laughs> vivid. <laughs> and uh, Luca is like, uh, and I told him like, and either you are in, either you're not without no questions asked and luca's like i see it i'm in <laughs> yeah fantastic <laughs> when we were speaking last you were um talking to me about um some of the ideas about where you might take kind of this passion that you've i was going to say developed but more like it's a passion that you've um found <laughs> you know discovered because essentially it must have always been there somewhere it's more that you found it rather than you've you've developed it and so tell me about some of the things that you have in mind now that you're thinking about using and, and pointing this passion towards. Yeah. So I think that we've created two wheels of this cycle now. One Earth is one of, the, one of my powerful, powerful wheels that will take us to where we want to be and um, uh, putting ourselves outside. So the next exercise we did was to now dream as big, like think creative, sit down, sweat on a dream big, bigger, bigger as you can get scared of, and now take yourself outside the equation. Make, what if you don't exist? Does it still exist? And if it still exists, if you see it about the people, for the people, of the people, and if it's powering two people, if it exists and you don't exist, you're on the right track. If, yeah. if it doesn't exist because of you, then you're still looking at yourself. You've got to take yourself out of the equation. Otherwise, it's not big enough. That's a that is like just got to stop there like that. <laughs> that's, 
That's actually, that's really amazing. So one of the things that I talk to business owners a lot about, particularly those business owners, well, those that are trying to scale their business and, and they want to stay on the journey, but they're looking to scale it, or those that are at the other end of their journey and they're looking to retire or have succession or work out how to get out. Like we're always talking to people about how do you, as in your words, how do you take yourself out of the equation? And, and I've written a fair bit about that, trying to say, and, and we talk about the practicalities of, you know, delegation and, and having the right team around you and all those kinds of things. But you're right, like, that's a really succinct way of putting it by saying, you know, dream about what you want to try to create. But make sure that when you've built that dream, you then can pull yourself out and the whole stack of cards doesn't fall over. Because no. then, as you say, then you know that what you're building is actually something that is real and sustainable. Because exactly. It, it's all founded on you, then it really is, like you say, you just look. Yeah. Never become the pillar of the building. Um, become the engineer of it, but never become the pillar that it falls down when you take yourself out of the equation. Like, you know, have, uh, they say that the founders are the pillars of the, of the foundation. And I don't think that I'm the founder. I'm not the founder of a foundation of it. I am just the creator. I'm just a vision, visionary. And when it's done, and if I, I exist or not, it should not affect. Because it's a, it's a mission. It, I mean, it has nothing to do with me. Isn't it is something that I want. <laughs> I was even just thinking about then about the terminology of founder. I mean, even in my job title, as I put it on LinkedIn and other things, it says co-founder of, of our business. But you're right, it's not really the right word, is it? Because it comes no. from the concept of foundation. It comes from the concept of everything is built on top of me. Yeah. So everything's built on top of me. What if I want to go and do something else. Something else. Then yeah. what about it? Like, yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that came together. One Earth came together. One Earth is now envisioning uh, uh, towards uh, creating biogas facilities, as we thought, like, that's what I, now, now I'm getting, again, million questions asked myself, and I filled up sheets and sheets in my home, like, massive sheets and I've written it down and that's when everything turned into like we are generating food out of waste like you know stuff out of waste food and animal waste and it has a long story behind it but that's what we're going to do out of it and um, we have thought about plastic but we that was a disconnect in plastic because we thought like there is nothing that we can do about plastic right now um, it's like the, the earth is strong enough and it has a strong engineering inbuilt enough to turn dinosaurs into fuel and fuel has been turned into plastic. It will have an inbuilt engineering to turn plastic into something else one day. It is not the problem. The problem is the psychology, the consciousness. If we change the psychology, we, there is no problem of plastic. So there's nothing we can do what we have done already. And that's why we took ourselves out of the plastic equation and we thought we changed people's psychology. So that's why Meditate with Prati was the first brand we, we thought about when I wanted to get people to meditate. And I, it never resonated. So I thought, take yourself out of the equation again. We, we, we cleared it uh, last week and we are now calling it Connecting Consciousness. Yeah. Uh, so it's about working on people's consciousness. It's like you... You, you can't do something about something that's already had and built engineering, but all you can do is you change your mind. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. 
And so you've got, so effectively, you've got two businesses running independently. So you've got the connected consciousness, which is more like a, a consulting business where you're consulting to, and I, I've seen some of your activity where you work quite a lot with legal practitioners and other people in professional services um, around, around meditation and the power of meditation. And then the other brand and business that you're building around One Earth, which is actually going to be more of the, it's almost an infrastructure business of sorts, um, which is going to be focusing on um, biogas or, or, or gas generation. Correct. So we're going to be, uh, yes, connecting consciousness is something that uh, I envision to work with the companies and um, building connecting businesses, building con uh, like conscious businesses, conscious psychology, becoming self-aware. And I feel like it has so many side effects that you want those side effects. It's not those, the one that you don't want. Like but while doing it, I didn't realize that my doctor would call me one day. She called me one day and she said, you have nothing, nothing that you had in the last seven or eight years. It's all gone. How did you trash it? Like you do not have IBS. You do not have any issues. And my husband and my, everyone in my office are now sneezing and they get flu and they get infections. And here I am with no vaccination and I'm looking at them and they, and I'm like, even if you sneeze at me, it's not, it's not going to affect me because my immune will throw it back. And uh, so the side effects of it, like while they're building a vision, they build themselves. And that's the side effects. Uh, so I want to get connecting consciousness out there. And the reason I called it connecting consciousness is because you cannot be singularity conscious. Like it has to connect to expand. Yeah. 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 Um, and one arc is the same. We're never going to have one single facility that will be generating power into somebody's grid. We're not ready to disclose what it's going to be like, but... It's, uh, it's quite exciting. It's never going to be one facility. It's going to be off the people, by the people, and for the people. And people are going to do it. Uh, what's our role? We'll be, we'll be launching it soon. <laughs> oh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Very exciting. And maybe, and maybe what we could do is after you launch, um, we could have another discussion and we could talk in a little bit more detail about actually that business line itself. You know, and, and we've got this conversation that kind of thrills that backstory and then you can tell us a bit more about that after after it all goes live. That'd be yeah. So, um, so I'm conscious of time. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for your time today. It was a fantastic conversation and so much value in there. I think you're a fantastic storyteller um, and, and that's really, really engaging. I really enjoy it. Um, and one of the things that I've been doing recently with some of the people I've been speaking to is Talking about the three things that um, I think are necessary ingredients to taking action and making progress. And those three things are, are courage, clarity, and commitment. So finding the courage to actually, to, to make the steps forward, having the clarity to know what steps to make. And then finally having the commitment to continue to follow through on that journey. And so the question I had for you, just to wrap things up um, is of those three things, which one would you say has been most important to you in your journey so far between courage and clarity and, and commitment? If you have to pick one. If I had to keep one. Uh, honestly, I think even though the rest two is something that I have cultivated, I didn't have those two. I was born with courage. And I think if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be able to acquire the rest too, which is the commitment. And uh, um, I had commitment issues, uh, uh, even with human beings. And uh, I had uh, 
clarity issues with my career and everything. But because I was born with courage, they came to me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fantastic.